Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us, and we hope you are encouraged by today's message. But often we don't see the grander scale of things. Every minute detail paints a piece of a larger picture. Just like the smallest drop adds to a raging river, so too is a generation emerging up. And like the trees planted alongside the river, we will offer a firm foundation on which to stand. We will expand our borders and we will show love further and greater than any have ever seen. This is how we will leave a legacy. Hey, what's up, Celebration? Hope everyone is having a great day. I wanna wish all of you happy Thanksgiving with Thanksgiving this Thursday. You're about to hear a great message as we are continuing in our legacy series and we're talking about the Father's heart and the Father's house and how important it is to bring the Father's heart to our community and around the world. Hey, I just wanna remind you, if you did not pick up one of our Heart for the House brochures last weekend, make sure that you pick one up on your way out. We're so excited about our expansion. Next year, a campus at Regency, the Regency Mall, beaches, a retreat center. Of course, Orange Park is getting their brand new building. We're doing brand new kids space here at the arena, as well as expanding out in Julington Creek. We are so, so excited. God has opened so many doors. And I wanna thank you for your faithful giving. We're asking everyone in our church to pray and bring their very best offering on December 6th. It's an over and above offering, over and above your tithe. If you're not tithing, tithing is your first step. If you are tithing, bring your very best offering over and above, and we're gonna see God do some amazing miracles. I wanna thank you so, so much. And I wanna remind everyone that next weekend, I know it's the Sunday after Thanksgiving, but it's so important that you're here because we have a very special guest, Bob Hoskins. He's the father of Rob Hoskins. He's the founder of One Hope, and you are gonna hear some incredible things from this man. He has had his life, he's, he's risked his life for the gospel over in the Middle East. He's been jailed for the gospel. Uh, just a tremendous man of God with so much integrity. He's gonna really, really inspire you. So I hope, I know everyone's gonna be traveling, uh, but I really hope that you can make it next Sunday. We're all praying. We're gonna have a great Heart for the House offering on December 6th. God bless you guys. I'll see you soon. Yeah, good morning, Celebration Church. Hey, keep that round of applause going for everybody joining us at our campuses, uh, church online, our family environments, and even everyone listening via podcast someday in the future. We're so glad that you're here. Hey, my name is John. I'm the campus pastor here at the arena, and uh, Pastor Stovall has asked uh, that our campus pastors preach at our venues this weekend, so it's my pleasure and my privilege to bring a message to you this morning from the Lord uh, as part of our legacy series. Come on, man. I am so excited. I've been seeking the Lord on this. Oh, I can't wait to share the word with you. Come on, open up your Bibles, right? If you got your Bibles or your Bibles, open those things up right now to Matthew chapter six, verses 19 through 21. If you don't have a Bible with you, we'll have them up on the screens. Uh, the big Bible's in the sky to my left and my right. As you're going there, 
I do want to remind you where we're at in our legacy series. Uh, every year during this time of the year, you'll, if you've been here for a couple years, you uh, would notice that we do a, a series intentionally around stewardship, around how to put God first in our finances. And I think part of it is, you know, we got the holidays coming up and we got the new year coming up and it's a great time to take a look at our, our finances and how to put God first in that area of our lives. And uh, we started off the series a few weeks ago with, uh, with an incredible guest speaker, an, an, an international author and an international bestseller uh, from Gateway Church. Uh, he was here to preach to us, Pastor Robert Morris. He taught on the tithe. Come on, yeah, put your hands together for him. It's great to have this guy. He's in demand. He speaks all over the world. He was here to teach us that principle of the tithe and the first fruits. Pastor Stovall, the last two weeks, taught what we do here as a church, as Celebration Church. How, how do we take the tithes and the offerings and how do we convert that into the kingdom? How do we take money and convert to souls? Well, Celebration is God's house. This is God's house. And the God's house is, is the Father's heart. And he shared, man, it was a great couple of messages, wasn't it? Oh my goodness, he shared all the prodigal son and how, how God's house is a place not of condemnation, but of celebration. And he shared how the gospel is not about bad people becoming good, but about dead people coming to life. And part of that is they come home to God's house and they discover new life in Christ. And uh, that's why we put so much resource into not just discipling all of us who are here. I mean, there's a lot of resources that are dedicated to us growing in our faith, but we'll always have a, a portion of our income dedicated to reaching those who are not yet here. If you look around, even in the sanctuary here, there's still empty seats. Until those seats are full, we got people to reach. Am I right? And when those seats are full, we're gonna get some more buildings because there's more people to reach. There's over 800,000 people in Jacksonville alone that don't go to church on a Sunday. And if they don't go to church on Sunday, it's very likely they probably don't have a very vibrant relationship with Jesus. I don't know where they're at spiritually, but if they're not in church, um, I, kinda, I got a question for their salvation and stuff. I'm kind of I'm thinking about that. We wanna see people, lost people come home. And, uh, and as you heard Pastor talk about in the intro, that's what brings us to the Heart for the House offering every year. Now, you know, we're, we're good stewards of the money, the, the tithes and the offerings that you bring to the house throughout the year, and that pays for the bills, keeps the lights on, it keeps us where we're at, it helps us do ministry at the level we are. But God's called us to go even further. He's called us to grow, and he's called us to reach the lost and prepare a place for those who are not here yet. And that's what the Heart for the House offering is about every year. It's about growing God's kingdom. It's about winning more souls. It's about reaching more people. And so I just wanna reiterate what Pastor said about that December 6th. It's coming up in just two weeks. All Pastor asks is what every pastor asks, right? Pray and listen to God. Pray, listen, do what he says. Pray and obey. That's it. That's what every pastor, every good pastor challenges his, his people to do that. And that's what pastors ask us to do around Heart for the Offering. And um, pray about it. I know every year my family and I, we pray about it. We're praying about this year. Last year we prayed and um, God gave us a number that was over and above what we thought we could give. He, he stretched our faith a little bit. You know, we, we give throughout the year. We, we come up with a number, we pray, and we're like, all right, we feel like this is where God wants us to be, and we give that throughout the year. But then God put on our hearts to give more than we thought we could give in December. And we prayed about it, we committed to it. We're like, God, if you say it, we'll do it. And uh, it was awesome because a stream of income opened up, like more money came into our house so we could take care of God's house and fulfill our commitment to the offering. It was awesome to see God at work in our lives that way. And every time I think about giving and I think about generosity and every time we come to the Heart for House offering every year, man, I just start, I start crying, man. I start getting real, I, I'm into it. It really, it moves me to see what God can do through us when we're generous with the money that he's trusted into our hands, amen? So that's what I'm gonna speak to you today in the Legacy Series about living a life of generosity. 
I believe this isn't just something that we do once a year around Heart for the House. I think this is a lifestyle that we live throughout the year as Christians, as followers of Christ. After all, our God, the most awesome God in the universe, is the most generous God in the universe. And when he inhabits our hearts and lives inside of us, guess what we look like? We look like our Father in heaven. We begin to look like him. We become generous because our Father is generous, not out of law or obligation, but because he's simply dwelling in our hearts. I wanna share with you, maybe we're coming to the Heart for the House offering and God puts a stretch number, a stretch goal on your heart. I'm gonna share with you some insanely practical tips today on how to make that come to pass, on how to reach those goals, how to meet those desires that God's birthed in your heart. Does that sound good to anybody here in the house? Come on, man. All right, let's dig into the word, open it up again. They've got Matthew 6. Verse 19 through 21, I'm gonna read this. I'm gonna read another passage out of the Old Testament that goes along with it to frame things up. Um, Matthew 6, 19 through 21. This is out of one of Jesus' most famous sermons, the Sermon on the Mount. He's teaching his disciples and the masses. He says in Matthew 6, 19, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This passage, Jesus is imparting to us, he's imparting to us the importance of having an eternal perspective with our finances. If we invest our hard-earned cash, we invest our money and our resources into things that are temporal, our heart will be there. Think about it, you buy a new car, what are you thinking about? Your new whip, you're fired up, man, you got a new car, you're thinking about it. You, you buy a new house, you're concerned about your heart, so you're thinking about it, you're excited about it, your heart's in it. Now think about investing in eternal things. What's eternal? God and people. God and souls, that's it. So when you invest your finances into the kingdom of God, into winning souls, into helping and serving people who are going to last forever because Jesus is their Lord and their Savior, when you invest in those things, your heart finds itself in those things. It's a spiritual principle. And I wanna read this along with it. It's an Old Testament verse from... Uh, uh, it's one of the minor prophets, his name is Haggai. And in uh, ver chapter one, verse five, this is Haggai. He's preaching before Jesus. He's preaching to God's people, the Jewish people. And they're in a season right now where God's house has fallen into disrepair. And they're finding that their personal finances are starting to mirror that of the house of the Lord. Their own house is starting to look like the house of the Lord. In verse five, it says, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but you're not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. Come on, anybody relate to that, man? I feel like my wallet sometimes, you know, like the money goes in, the money gone. I don't know where it goes. Might be teenagers in the house, I don't know. I thought I put money in there, where'd that money go? It evaporated. Give careful thought to your ways. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Maybe, just maybe, there are more than just natural principles that govern our finances. Maybe, just maybe, I feel like I'm getting into the Grinch. Maybe, maybe just so. Maybe there are spiritual principles that go beyond the natural principles that govern money. Money is very mathematical. Two plus two equals four. Run out of money, hit zero, then zero is zero. You know what I'm saying? It's very careful. Money is very easy to manage. It's just not easy to manage your emotions around your money, right? Money is easy to manage. It's just numbers. They all add up, all right? But maybe there are spiritual principles that if we'll invest in things we cannot see, 
taste, touch, are tactile things, the things of this earth. If we'll invest in what's eternal, God will do something supernatural in our finances. Think beyond what you can do with your money and think what God can do with your money. Does that sound good? So we're gonna look into this in a message. I mean, I wanna, I wanna encourage you. Make, if, make this year your best year ever. Living and giving generously. And that's why I've titled this message. Come on, man. The year of living generously. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you so much, God. Thank you that your word governs our lives. Thank you that your spirit is here to help us unpack the scripture and put it into action in our lives. We thank you for it, Lord. And I thank you that you speak to us. You speak not even through my words, but God, you speak in the words between the words. Speak to our hearts exactly the message we need to hear today, God. We wanna be a generous people marked by a generous spirit that mirrors yours. God, I thank you that you give us practical principles to be able to walk that out. We love you and we thank you for them. In Jesus' name, amen? Amen, all right, man. Let me frame this up with just five simple, I'm gonna give you a quick economics study. I know that's fun, man. 9.30 in the morning, he's talking to economics. Woo, don't worry, man. I'm gonna make it fun, engaging, and inspiring. <laughs> Five things that, that govern all of our money, right? Mathematical things, right? There's income. All right, if you want to give more, you can earn more. You can go out, you can work harder, you can get education, get certifications, you can, um, uh, you know, you find that skill that you can capitalize on. Here in America, you know, you can, you can earn more money. It's one of the ways to be more generous, to have more money to be able to give, create margin in your budget. You can earn more money. Income is one of the things that we have to master to be good stewards of our money. Second is spending. Spending, we have to understand how to spend our money within our income. Ooh, this isn't easy for Americans. Let me tell you this, about 90% of Americans do not have a budget. Does that make you feel better? Come on, man, you can leave now. You know, like, I feel great leaving church, man. I'm not alone. Woo, praise the Lord, man. I don't budget, nobody else does either. About 90% of Americans do not have a budget, which means like they run out of money before they run out of month. Come on, that might be you. You're like, preacher, I know what you're saying, right? Um, it's important for us, if we want to live generously and give generously, we have to make room in our budget for it. And the key to being able to do that, one of the natural keys is to be able to budget uh, ourselves so that we're spending at the right pace and spending not on just the needs and the things that come up, but spending according to our values. If we prioritize giving, uh, then we'll be able to do it. We'll make room for that. Third is savings. Savings is like a lost art in America as well. Check this out. Americans spend 136% of their income. Did you know that? That don't add up. You know what I'm saying? 136% of our income, we actually spend it. Where does that leave margin to be able to be generous? Woo, I don't know. Here's the deal. The key to, to savings, well, what happens when you spend more than, more than what comes in, man, many of you are familiar with this, man, the debt piles up. And that's something that wipes us out on a personal level, but also even on a, on a macro level, it's just as dangerous. You know, think about, that's how a country gets trillions of dollars in debt. You spend more than you make, right? If you'll make margin for savings in your budget, and it takes time, it takes reps, you, you can get good at it over time. Maybe you can save up, make it a goal to save up $1,000 in an emergency fund. It might take a few months to get there, but in times of plenty, set aside money so that when the times of lack come, and they always come, you can go to your savings account instead of to Citibank. That's one of those principles that'll open up margin for you to be able to be more generous as if you'll master the principle of saving. Uh, the next one is investing. Investing, if you'll learn how to invest your money, this is where time becomes your best friend. This is where your money stop, you stop working for your money and your money starts working for you. 
The average car payment in America is about, and this might shock some of you, but like 480 bucks a month. Isn't that crazy? Some of you are like, man, that's a lot more than my car, man. Some of you are like, man, I roll in my Bentley, dude. That's like nothing. I wish I was only paying $480 a month, but $480 a month. Like if you are 25 years old and, and you start, a, you buy a car and you're paying $480 a month for it. Think about this. If you'll, if you pay $480 a month over the course of 40 years, you end up with about 200, you have spent about $230,000. If you invest $480 a month starting at age 25, and just thinking of the principles of compounding and just a simple return on investment through interest and dividends and the compounding and reinvestment of that income, over the course of 40 years, $480 a month adds up to $5 million. Millions, m -m -m millions of dollars. <laughs> Think about this. If you seek in your heart of hearts to be generous to, to God and generous to people at the end of your life, Think about investing and setting aside, sacrificing a little bit and investing it over the course of your life and think of the millions you could give away at the end of it. Come on, man, investing is one of your best friends if you want to live generously. And finally, giving. Giving is a, a principle, it's a natural principle. If you ask anybody that has money, giving money, sowing money into charity, this is a big part of, of having money and stewarding it well, is to be able to give it. And check it out, Americans give about 3% of their income away to charities, to churches, to everything else. Ooh, Christians are got it made, man. We're giving about 4%, 4%. Now, wait a minute, preacher. Didn't I hear that the tithe is 10%? And then like over and above should be like, we should be giving like 12 to 15%. You said it, not me. <laughs> you know, man, like as Christians, we should be marked by generosity. It should be one of those things that really differentiates us from the rest of the world is that we are able and positioning ourselves to be able to be generous in any every occasion. Can somebody say amen? So those natural principles, if you'll, if you'll just simply engage in those five things, you'll manage your money well. But what I wanna share with you now, I wanna share with you some spiritual principles that go with each one that'll get you out of the realm of just fact and numbers and mathematics, get you into the realm of faith. Are you ready? The first one is the principle of calling versus compensation. Calling versus compensation. At the end of the day, money will not fulfill you. And that's a truth that you can take to the bank. At the end of the day, money will not fulfill you. But here's what I've seen in my short time here on earth, people that chased after the call of God on their lives and make sacrifices to fulfill the call of God on their lives, they find true fulfillment. You will find fulfillment when you follow the call of God on your life, not necessarily finding more income, not generating more money. Pastor said it the other day that money makes promises that it can't keep. We tend to think in our hearts that if I just made a little bit more money, oh man, then I'd be happy, then I'd be satisfied, then everything would fall into place, then I'd be able to accomplish all my goals, achieve all my goals. It never is enough. I'm here to tell you, ask anybody who's found success in their lives at the end of the day, at the end of their lives, how much money they made is not where they found their fulfillment. It just doesn't work. We, we, we fall into the trap very easily, but the the truth is, if we'll follow the call of God on our lives, that's where we'll find true fulfillment and the finances will follow. The finances will follow. You'll be amazed when you do what God has wired you to do and you focus your energy on it, you'll be amazed how the, the income that you need is always enough. 
I can't explain it, but it's a spiritual, supernatural principle, and it works. So uh, let's look at the scripture real quick. Think about the uh, Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul is somebody that I think we would all agree, if you know him, if you study the scriptures at all, man, he left everything to follow the call of God on his life. And here's what he said about it in Acts chapter 20, verse 24. He said, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My life, my achievements, my accomplishments, the things that I've been able to, to do with my life, uh, all that I possess, I consider it worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me to fulfill the call of God on his life, right? And it was the task, he says, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. His calling was to take the gospel around the known world at the time. What's your calling? It might not be that, praise the Lord. It might not be to take the gospel all around the known world at the time. But what is your calling? Every single one of us has a call of God on our lives. Only about less than 1% of our church is made up of like staff or preachers or pastors, you know what I'm saying? Like a tiny fraction of our church are, are called to full-time vocational ministry. 99 plus percent, what's your calling? You have a calling on your life. It might not be to quit your job and go into full-time vocational ministry. What is the call of God on your life? Is it to, to be a, a, a kingdom entrepreneur? Is it to be an incredible wife and mother, a homemaker, to raise up godly children in your home? Is it to to, to go out and to be an influence in the workplace, in the corporation that you're a part of, in the cubicles that are around you. I don't know what the call of God is on your life, but we are here as a church to help you find it. Come on, man, you don't find your calling in place. You find your calling in motion. Come on, I'll say that again. You don't find your calling in place. You find your calling in motion. The idea is to get after the call of God in your life, and you'll find yourself fulfillment coming your way. You'll find fulfillment coming your way. Think about it like, Paul, he had, to, he had the call of God on his life. It says in, in, in Acts that they're in prayer and fasting and sees in prayer and fasting in uh, Pisidian Antioch and God calls and sep he separates Paul for the work of ministry and they lay hands on him and commission him. He still had to get on a donkey and get out of town. He had to get out of his church seat, right? He had to get on a donkey, get out of town, get on a boat and take the gospel around the world. He had to get into motion so that God could, so he could fulfill the call of God in their lives. Now how do we do that for you here at Celebration Church? Very simple. Very easy, we love to make it simple. We value simplicity here at Celebration Church. Doesn't matter whether you've been following God for 40 minutes or 40 years, there is a way for you to find the call of God. Get yourself in motion at Celebration Church. Maybe you're new here, real simple, real easy. Membership, groups, teams. Membership, groups, teams. Say it with me, membership, groups, teams. One more time, membership, groups, teams. That's how our, our cycle goes every single month. The first weekend of every month is membership. It's where you'll hear the vision and the values and you'll get started with, we actually have a serving team of advisors to help you get planted into a group or a team. Why? Because once you're on task, serving in God's house, alongside a couple other believers, you're serving shoulder to shoulder, winning souls on Sunday, come on man, the call of God starts to emerge in your life. Or once you're in a group, in community, following Jesus with a few close friends, and they're ministering to you and you're ministering to them, the, the call of God starts to emerge as you walk that out, walk that out, right? Come on, as you're serving, as you're in a group, who knows where it goes from there? Our, our stories all look different, but I can tell you where it starts. Membership, groups, teams. Membership, groups, teams. That's where it all starts. And every one of your stories will look different after that. 
Some of you have been following Jesus for a while, you're more mature in your faith. We have a place for you. Oh man, we need you. We need those who are mature to help disciple those who are coming to the Lord here at Celebration Church by the hundreds, even by the thousands. The number we put up on the screen with Heart for the House, over 14,000 people made decisions for Christ here at Celebration Church. Can we give God a round of applause for that in the last year? What do we do with with 14,000 people making a fresh start with God? We have to disciple them. And guess who disciples them? You. You see that? I got you. You. Our job as pastors, it says in Ephesians 4, is to, uh, as apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, is to train up believers to maturity in the faith. Maturity in the faith to you might not look like quitting your job and going to Africa on the mission field. Maturity to you might be like going through our care partner training and learning how to, in an 18-week course, being discipled and mentored on how to disciple and mentor others and care for them in their biggest areas and their biggest times of need, the most challenging seasons of their lives. Maybe it's to lead a freedom group. Come on, our freedom groups this fall. We just had our big freedom retreat last weekend, this last weekend. Come on, yeah, some of you participated. Incredible. And then you can become a freedom group leader where you're discipling those who are new in the faith. You're helping them come out of the things that they've had to deal with in the world and helping them to follow Christ at a deeper level. That might be your calling. Know where you find it? You find it in motion. So get plugged in, man. Get plugged in. This is, this is how you'll fulfill the call of, God, call of God on your life. This is how you'll find the fulfillment that you're looking for. And listen, if you're focused on earning more as a source of fulfillment, you won't find it. Instead, focus on what you're created for and the finance will follow, amen? Come on, next one. Woo, and this is where it's gonna speed up a little bit, man. You got your pencils ready. I hope you're all taking notes. If you're not taking notes, take notes. Next principle, contentment versus consumerism. Ooh, contentment versus consumerism. There's nothing money can buy that can make us happy. Just like more income won't make us happy, the things money can buy won't make us happy as well. Consumerism is a trap that we fall into. It's the keeping up with the Joneses. And uh, here's what it says in Philippians 4.12. Paul writes this. Come on, my friend Paul, on mission. He says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Everybody say content. He just learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, not just in theory, but because he had actually lived it. He had lived in seasons of lack. He had lived in seasons of plenty, seasons of persecution and seasons of freedom. He had lived through it all. And through all of it, he found contentment was the secret to it all. And I know what some of you are saying. Some of you are saying, man, I just don't have enough right now. I've got these goals I'm trying to get to and I'll give when I get there. You'll never quite have enough. Those things won't make you happy. Here's, here's how I know. There's a test that all of us go through like once a year. It's the rollout of the new iPhone. You know what I'm talking about. The iPhone 7 is gonna come out. Get your old iPhone 6. You'll be like, this lame old phone. Oh, look how slow it is. It doesn't, it doesn't really work right anymore. There's, oh man. That just doesn't, come on man, preach, right? Oh, are you content with what's literally in your hand? Or is there something out there that's gonna bring you happiness? Ooh, come on. How about your favorite house? What if you, you live in a house, but it's not your favorite house? What about your, everybody's got a favorite house, right? I have a favorite house. I, do, I, go, I check the surf and I go for a prayer walk every morning. 
And then, you know, because I'm at the beach, I get back in my car and I drive by those houses at the beach and I have a favorite house that I look at. <laughs> oh, Jesus, you, you built that just for me. Those people living in that house, they're good stewards for me. They're taking good care of my house. One day, Jesus, my favorite house. Everybody got a favorite house. Are you happy with the house you're in? Woo! Come on, man, are you happy with the house you're in? An easy way to find out how you're doing with, that, with, with consumerism or with contentment is go on a mission trip. Man, you go, to, you go to Honduras or you go to Peru or you go to uh, Zimbabwe and you see that the rest of the world outside of our little American little cozy bubble, the rest of the world lives on about $2 a day. They live just like we do. They live 80 years, they eat three meals a day. They, you know, they, they go through life, but they live in a tin shack. Like I've seen it, I've ministered in the streets of Alualita, Costa Rica. Come on, man, I've, we've been in the streets there. We've seen the people living in, in tin shacks with open sewers and they're, they're living their lives just like you live your life. Are you content with what you have? Because what you have is really, it's better than most of the world will ever have. The secret to contentment, check this out, this is, this is the one. Contentment is not the fulfillment of what you want, it's the realization of what you have. Contentment is not the fulfillment of what you want, it's the realization of what you have. And when you realize just how good God's been to you and everything that he's entrusted into your hands, when you have a revelation of that, you'll be able to be satisfied. And I always think of it this way, man. If I got, I got the word and I got the spirit, and that's enough for me. I got the word and I got the spirit, man. That's, that's enough. Jesus is all we need. You think about it, man. Jesus, if Jesus, if I, Jesus plus that house, Jesus plus the new iPhone, it don't work. Jesus is enough. He has trusted to you and to me everything that we truly need. Will we be content with it is the question. Don't take the bait, falling into consumerism. Choose contentment over consumerism. Third thing, God-dependent versus independent. Oh, this principle, when you can learn that none of us are ever financially independent. There is no amount of savings that we can amass where we'll ever have to stop trusting in God. It's a trap that, that a lot of us fall into. If I could just set aside this much, if I could save this much, if I could build this, this hedge around my life, then calamity could never get me. It's a trap. The scripture says this in Proverbs 18. It says, the wealth of the rich is their fortified city. They imagine it a wall too high to scale. They imagine it a wall too high to scale. Guess who our fortified city is supposed to be? It's Jesus. Jesus is our, our Lord, our savior. He's our source. He's our provider. He is our provision. He's all that we need. He's the alpha. He's the omega. He is the beginning and the end. He, all of the world was created by him and for him and through him and God trusts portions of everything that belongs to him into our hands. I was thinking about that Psalm 2, Psalm 24. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. I used to have this great friend, man, who's a surfer, and everywhere we went, he was called by God. He had this burning passion in his heart. Everywhere I go, the God has called me to proclaim Psalm 24 over the land, over the people. So we'd go surfing, and we'd be out on a beach, a lonely beach somewhere, and watch out, Flacco, I'm about to go loud on the microphone. He had a big booming voice, right, big surfer guy, and he'd always get up and he'd say, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The earth and all who live in it. He'd get up and proclaim this as loud as he could. It was pretty awesome. <laughs> you, knew it, you know, if you're out surfing and you hear that from the beach, the earth is the Lord's. And... It was pretty awesome. But it, all, it always stuck with me. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The gold and all the hills, the cows on all the hills, the money in your bank account, all that belongs to the Lord. 
everything that we have, it, it belongs to the Lord. You ever think about this? Like, you're alive right now, and you got some money. Somebody else owned that money before you were here. And when you're gone, somebody else is gonna own it. You ever think about that? What if God owns it all? And he distributes it to people as he sees fit. Ooh, it's a different way of looking at things now, isn't it? What if, what if there was no amount that we were striving after to provide protection, but what if instead we were satisfied that God is our provision? What if we were satisfied that God will always be enough for us? What if we were satisfied to have our relationship with the Lord and to be able to trust that whatever our needs are, he would always be there to meet them in good times and bad, in seasons of more and seasons of less, just like Paul, when you have it and when you don't, what if, what if we were God dependent instead of striving towards independence? If you get that right, right there, it might change everything for you. Our security is not in our savings. Our security is in our savior, amen? Our security is not in our savings. Our security is in our Savior. Fourth principle, stewardship versus ownership. Stewardship versus ownership. This principle goes along with the last. God owns everything. I'm just the manager. God owns everything. I'm just the manager. Think about the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, right? The earth and all who live in it. He's trusted into me a certain portion to steward. What if I steward that according to where my heart is, what if my treasure is in earthly things, things that are temporal that are gonna pass away? Is that investing God's money in what God wants me to invest in? Now, does God want us to have homes and does God want us to have food and provision? Of course, he's gonna take care of all that. Think about Matthew 6, though. If we'll prioritize his kingdom and prioritize people, we'll always have more than we need for the temporal. We'll always have more than we need for the temporal. It's very important to have that eternal perspective like we read in the beginning on the top end of this message, Matthew 6, 19, that if our treasure is in what's eternal, our heart will be there also. And that's really what God is after. He's not after our money. He's after our hearts. And so he gives a portion of money to us to steward, to be able to steward. We are not the owners. We're the stewards of it. God owns everything I have. I'm, I'm not the owner. I'm just the manager. Let me read to you this real quick. It's a parable out of Matthew 13. Awesome, one of my favorite parables. We don't have time to fully unpack it, but it goes along with this. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. Curious, huh? He finds a buried treasure, hid it again, and in his joy, he went and sold all he had so he could buy that field. He sold all his worldly goods so that he could invest in what was really important. When you realize what is really important in life, is loving God and serving people, you'll be willing to give up worldly things to be able to invest in what's truly important. And when you do, you get to this fifth principle, generosity versus misery. <laughs> generosity versus misery. The opposite of a generous person is a miser. Misery, miser. Generous, misery. We got Christmas coming up, right? Who's the famous miser that we all watch on TV, man, in a famous story? Come on, man, a couple, there's a couple great stories. Come on, A Christmas Carol, Ebenezer Scrooge. Mr. Scrooge, can we please have another lump of coal for the stove? I can't feel my fingers anymore as I'm counting your money. Why, yes, Bob Cratchit. Certainly we can have another lump of coal, but it's coming out of your paycheck. Ha, 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 ha. Back to work, right? Thank you. 
ESPN. No, um. <laughs> it's hilarious in that story. You know what happens. What happens? He has a revelation of something greater than himself. He has a revelation of eternal, of eternity. What's gonna happen after he's gone? He has a revelation of that. And what changes when he wakes up? He begins to give it all away, doesn't he? He begins to give, and what happens? He goes from being a miser, miserable, to being filled with joy, to being filled with joy. Life that is truly life is found through generosity. Life that is truly life is found through generosity. And let me show you in the scriptures about that. In 1 Timothy chapter six, now check it out, this is a, this is a, a principle, in, in, it's a pastoral epistle, it's written to Timothy. Paul writes to Timothy how to pastor the church, how to pastor his church that he's leading. And this epistle is for myself, for Pastor Stovall, our pastoral staff. We look at this as, how, this is how we are to pastor Celebration Church. It says, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves, lay up treasure, right, in heaven. They will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Life that is truly life is found in generosity. And I wanna share with you just as I close here about a story, of something I witnessed over the last couple weeks uh, of generosity at work. And, um, We've got these, these three guys in our church that, uh, that they've been fighting cancer together over the last few years and we've been just kind of walking that out with them. But you know, one guy gets sick and the other guys would come around and support him and he'd get better and then the other guy gets sick and they'd come around him and support him. And I was visiting one of them in the hospital. He was coming off of uh, a, a treatment. You know, he'd had a surgery and he had complications so he's in physical therapy, he's very weak and um, he's in, in recovery. And uh, you know, he looks at me, he's like, hey, you know, um, my other buddy, man, he got a bad report from the doctor. So me and him, I'm trying to raise some money. We want to send him to Disney World with his family. We want to send him to Disney World with his family. Here's a guy who just come off of surgery. He's been fighting a battle for years with this nasty cancer, like jaw, throat cancer. Nasty cancer, he's been doing battle. He's in another round and his attitude is just like, you know, man, it's all right, God's got me, it's cool. What am I gonna do, get upset? Here's what I want to do. I want, I want to raise money for my friend, not for like a treatment or another therapy. I want to raise money for him to bless him. We're going to try to send him to Disney World with his family because it's been a really hard time and the doctors are not hopeful for him. Let's send him to Disney World. I'm like, start crying. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, you're not asking me for money or support. Like, you're like, let's think about this other guy, man. Let's see what we can do for him. I'm like, that touched my heart so much. I, I went out and like, what do I, you know, what do I do? I post on Facebook. I'm like, hey, anybody want to? Help send this family to Disney World. And I witnessed like this incredible God moment of generosity. Within 48 hours, $3,000 plus a timeshare plus the tickets to Disney World were all <laughs> donated to this family. So much money that not only the one guy got to go, but both families got to go to Disney World with their friends. Many of you contributed to that. I just wanna thank you for your generosity. Now I'll tell you right now, what does life consist of? It does it consist of possessions? Does it consist of amassing a nest egg, amassing more so you can have it for yourself? Does life consist of more income or more, more, more depth or breadth of, of finance? I don't think so. I've not seen any evidence of that. But the evidence I do see is that we think outside of ourselves and we sacrifice what we have 
to improve the lives of others. We find true life, the abundant life that Jesus intends for us to live. There is something powerful and supernatural that is released in us and through us when we live a life marked with generosity. Amen? We will find that life when we become generous. When we live intentionally with the goal of being generous, we'll find a life worth living. Come on, let's bow our heads. I wanna just lead us in a quick time of response. I know during these, these series where we, we talk about money and finance, you know, God speaks to our hearts. It's one of those, man, fight the devil. The devil wants you to get mad that the preacher's talking about money again. You know what God wants to help you do? He wants you to live the most generous life that you could ever imagine, far even above and beyond, even what you thought you might be able to give away, he wants to give you more so that you can do infinitely above anything you ever asked or imagined. But it takes a generous heart. It takes commitment. It takes deciding in your heart that you are not the owner of your money. God is, you're the steward. It takes an eternal perspective to be able to say, I'm gonna invest in what's eternal and not just what's temporal for me, for my comfort or my safety. I'm gonna invest in what's eternal. God's kingdom, God's people, people, eternal lives, salvation, the gospel. I'm gonna invest my money there and see a return that moths cannot eat and vermin cannot destroy and rust cannot devour. We have to decide this as people of God, that we're gonna be earmarked, that we're gonna be those people that everybody looks to. And they're like, why are they able to give as much as they're able to give? It's gonna be because our hearts are marked with generosity. With your head bowed and your eyes closed right there, where you're at, even online and wherever you're taking in this message, I wanna encourage you right now, what is God saying to you? What is God saying to you about this? Is there a, a way to increase your income, a, a new venture he wants you to undertake? Is there a new area that he wants to open up finances for you so you can be generous? Is there a, something you'll need to do in your budgeting or your, your spending to be able to make room to be more generous, savings or investment that he wants you to do so that you can give at a level that you never even dreamed of. Maybe it just starts with a change of heart like Ebenezer Scrooge where you understand that money won't satisfy but only giving it away will satisfy your heart. Whatever that is, if God's speaking to you something today, would you just Acknowledge that by putting your hand in the air real quick, wherever you're at, just, man, God's speaking to me on finance. I'm gonna obey, I'm gonna listen to Jesus and I'm gonna obey what he says to me right now. Hands up all around the room, online and all of our campuses, all of our venues. I'm gonna listen, I'm gonna obey and I'm gonna live generously. Let me pray for you, you can put them down. Father, we love you and just thank you God so much. You are generous to us so that we can be generous on every occasion. I thank you that you don't just give to us for us, but you give to us for others. Help us to know that, to steward your finances well, God. Help us to live with open hands, trusting that everything you place in our hands as we give it away, you'll always replace it with more. Help us to live a life marked with generosity. We wanna live abundant life, life worth living, God, where we're giving at a high level, just like you did, God. You were so sacrificial that you gave your only son, Jesus. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I wanna invite you, if you're here today and you know that for you, it starts with a relationship with Jesus. You know that you need a fresh start with him. You're far from God. You, you, you can't remember ever praying a prayer where you ask Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. You've never surrendered your life to him. Or, or maybe you were with him and followed him at one time, but you've been away from him. And you know that today is your day to come home to the Father's house, to be received by God, to be celebrated in that decision to give your life to him. If that's you, I wanna give you an opportunity to respond. To, that's God speaking into your heart. 
I'm gonna give you a chance to respond to it. Real quick, I'm not gonna call anybody forward. Uh, I'm not gonna make you, I'm not gonna embarrass you or anything like that, but I do want you to, on the count of three, raise your hand, just say, God, that's me. I hear you, Jesus, and I'm responding to you. I want you to be my Lord and my Savior. I wanna give my life to you. I wanna be able to live this life, this abundant life, life worth living, and I know it starts by giving my life to you. If that's you, on the count of three, why don't you raise your hand? One, two, three, put you in the air. Hands up around the room, awesome, awesome. Everyone online, uh, everyone in our family lounge environment, raise your hand. This isn't for me, it's for God, amen. Amen. Why don't you put them down? I'm gonna lead us in a prayer. And church, why don't we all say this together? If you're a believer, say this as a declaration of your faith, just a restatement of what you really believe. Why don't we all repeat this together? Say, dear Jesus, I love you. I've run from you in the past, but that ends today. I'm coming home to you. Jesus, you're my Lord. Jesus, you're my Savior. I am yours and you are mine. Fill me with your spirit so I can follow you all the days of my life in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Come on, put your hands together for everybody that just made that decision. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. For more information about Celebration Church or to get in touch with us, please visit celebration.org.